0: Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick.
1: So we've tried to move away from this question of the week thing that we're doing, but here we are again. This time no one knows the question but me. Is the University of Michigan's men's hockey program the Toronto Maple Leafs of the NCAA? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs>
2: I'm afraid I don't know enough about um, Kalachaki. Men's Kalachaki, well, Kalachaki generally, to to say yes or no.
1: Um, well, they have a bunch They have like four highly touted players who, you know, supposedly did well in some sort of draft. I, I don't. I don't remember the specifics.
0: And then they underachieved in their postseason. Hmm. Is this a trend or is it a one-off?
1: This is probably a one-off because how many players are going to get to go to the Olympics and not, a, you know, non-NHL attended seasons in order to torpedo their their championship hopes.
0: So, Are we
2: sure that's what Torpedo their championship hopes? Ah,
1: uh, yeah. Being I would, the, um, yeah, I don't know.
0: I, <laughs> I I would say they're more the inaugural Vegas Golden Knights then. Oh. Get almost there and... No, you know?
1: Yeah, well... They're in need of a different um, teacher on the bench, I believe, I believe is the phrase because they certainly don't have a coach. I think they have a good recruiter at Michigan, but it was just disappointing to see, oh, here's this team that could be talked about in mainstream circles. and if they want it, what that would do. For, you know, NCAA hockey popularity outside of the Northeast and um, Land of a Thousand Lakes regions, you know.
2: But that happened. Uh, didn't Denver win?
1: Yeah, but Denver's won, like, I think that was their ninth title. And mm. for whatever reason, I don't think they really moved the needle in Colorado. I think some other schools would. And let, let me point this out. During that broadcast, which this was a game that took place in Boston, there was an individual holding up a Go Denver sign while wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey from, I want to say, the 98 championship because it had the Stanley Cup patch. <laughs> and I was left very confused by that. Very confused.
2: I don't think the rivalry between the uh, Red Wings and the Avs got started until 99.
1: But it's 2022, and this person well, didn't oh, even look old enough to be alive to watch that championship game. Mm.
0: Not, Not to be that guy, Cassie, but it started earlier than that.
2: I was just trying to remember when Chris Draper broke his face because that was, or sorry, when Claude Lemieux broke Chris Draper's face. (laughs) He can't break it on his own. Um, uh, Because that's when it truly kicked off. They didn't like each other before that, but that's really when it got nasty.
0: Uh, It just reminds me of the whole run in in, um, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines did that movie Running Scared. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and the the police chief comes out and says you know hey we had a jumper on a, you know some some street in Chicago and you want to know what the cause of death was and the two of them go deceleration trauma <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then and then later and later in the movie Joey pantalonian you know gets in they arrest him and they throw him in the back and and they asked him what happened to the to the uh the former drug, former drug lord of the region, and he said, "Oh, he had an accident. He fell on a knife four times. You know, so anytime somebody <laughs> says he broke his face, I'm like, Yeah, he fell on an a he fell on a knife four times. That's, I didn't stab him.
2: <laughs> that's that's like uh the song in Chicago, the musical. It's like there's a oh, what song is it now? I can't think of it. But there's there's this." part of it where it's like he ran into my knife he ran into my knife 10 times i think they took it from that
0: (laughs) they probably did but i just loved all those um
2: Uh, sublock tango that's what it is name of the song
0: yes um no the 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 whole that's 96 that was uh was it
2: 96
0: Yeah. yeah When when he fell into the when he fell into the board's face first on accident. Um,
2: uh-huh. <laughs> with help. But <laughs> he didn't have help.
0: <laughs> Cement poisoning. Um, where are We going. I don't. I'm. I just sidetracked the whole damn thing again. Didn't I? We.
2: Uh,
0: yeah. Well, oh, we were talking uh,
2: Michigan. Not well, that Michigan, I, but Michigan.
0: The yeah, the, the Michigan. Um
2: uh,
0: No the 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 Detroit rivalry stops at the NHL border with Colorado. When when Colorado when a Colorado university is supplying players to the Detroit Red Wings, they don't care.
1: Yeah, that all checks out. <laughs> but I think The way in which Michigan lost was very um, Maple Leaf-esque. Had a chance to, in overtime, had a chance to clear the puck out of the zone. Three different individuals, they they almost ran into each other and almost like a uh, proton and a neutron, they all bounced off of each other. And uh, Denver scooped up the puck and scored a goal five seconds later. Keystone Cops.
2: Oh, good. Great show guys. Thanks. Thank I was I was trying I, I, I
0: um I was I wanted to thank Pat Pat for bringing um, you know physics into this. Um <clears throat>
1: But did I bring the right science? See, that's where it gets <laughs> yes. hairy. I was like, I had the I had the moment where I hesitated. It's been so long since I've part, actually thought about any of this.
0: You know, part of, right. you can never you can never go wrong with a good particle physics reference. Um. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, 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 Um. Uh, no failure of failure of Michigan. Um. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, because they border each other, there's probably a little bit of overlap, you know.
2: Regional all those, curse.
0: All those people coming over the Mackinac Bridge, you know, the Ambassador Bridge <laughs> from Ontario, yeah. you know, driving it's, north. It's sort of like a virus, you know, you you can't stop the spread if you're attached to it type thing. And you know, unless they unless Michigan corns them, quarantines themselves from that at Southwestish region of Ontario, you know, there's always going to be some overflow. And I think the only reason you see it at the collegiate level is because it's not a full on pandemic, you know? It hasn't seeped entirely into the state. It sort of reaches, you know, pockets here and there. And you just gotta hope to God in heaven that Buffalo has a cure and Seattle has a cure.
1: Oh, I don't care about
0: Jersey. No.
2: Montana in, in North Dakota?
0: No, I'm I'm more concerned about Owen Power and Matty Beneers.
1: Uh, right, yeah, see, uh,
0: Jacques Hughes
1: is staying put, so um, maybe he can study something in school to keep his brother healthy for a full season? Because my God, that kid needs a break. Pre-med. <laughs> couldn't hurt yeah (laughs) I mean their program in Ann Arbor is uh quite well known
2: yeah I still got nothing
0: (laughs) you know I was sitting here thinking the same damn thing
1: You know what it really feels like? It felt like all the news happened last weekend. We got to talk about it. And then one thing might have happened on Monday and it was just everyone had their chance and it was just like,
2: eh, teams are qualifying for playoffs. Like, well, yeah, if they weren't by now, then that would be concerning. (laughs)
1: You know? Yeah, not enough teams are officially eliminated because um math is a game where you can make numbers do whatever you want
0: <coughs> oh excuse me i was just about ready analysis <coughs> statistics oh god damn excuse me yeah but- that went down da- that went down the wrong way
2: mm-hmm. or came up the wrong way
0: no no <laughs> no it, it's all in how it goes down mm. You'll we'll have to excuse me. I'm not sure which end it's coming out. Um, <clears throat> oh, I, I made the mistake of saying I had a mouth fart one day when I burped, and um, my son is now saying it. So that's been fun. Um,
1: <clears throat> is that the name of his uh, elementary school band?
0: No, he's going with butt burp, which is, you know, the... Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, him and his Fisher Fisher Price um, drum kit. Um, I hope, beyond all hope, Doug Wilson is able to pull through his medical situation and that he is healthy and lives the remainder of his life as healthy and fruitfully and He's deserved, he's had a magnificent career as a hockey player. He's had a career as a general manager.
2: And as far away from, you know, being a general manager as possible.
0: (laughs) And it's... It's so hard for me to thread this needle. (laughs) The man had 19 years... So here's
2: the thing: is you can talk about someone in their professional capacity, and have an opinion about that, and then you can have an opinion about them in their human being, individual capacity.
0: Right. Brian Burke. Brian Burke is my is my litmus test. There isn't a thing in the world professionally that Brian Burke has done that 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 makes me admire him. There is almost everything he's done personally that makes me admire him.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So, you know, and and I've got, you know, no problem. Doug Wilson, I loved watching when he was a player. You know, he he could, he could water ski behind Wayne Gretzky like nobody's business. (laughs) Because I, I think I found like a, a few months ago, I found a video of, you know, the old, di- you know, when, when, when people go on these little rants and stuff about how, you know, um, era adjusted scoring and how they had it so much easier because the goalies were crap. Well, yeah, good luck getting to the net.
2: Yeah, people were could, draped all over them.
0: You could literally sit there and hug a guy against the boards for like a minute after the puck's gone. They aren't calling anything. You can water ski down the ice, and I found a video of Doug Wilson getting kind of turned around a little bit, putting the blade of his stick in Gretzky's hip, and just letting Gretzky carry him for, like, five feet. So, you know, yes, the goaltenders were crap, but you could also get punched in the face 15 times repeatedly in front of the net, and nobody would call anything, so... Cross-checking
2: don't... left and right!
0: Oh, dear God, Yes! <laughs> The, the the egregious, you know, the stuff that we would say today is egregious when it comes to hooking and holding was commonplace. Like, you know, there's a reason Steve Casper had a career, because he could keep up with Gretzky and literally just hang on to him. So, you know, I mean, well,
2: I mean you know, going back to our favorite player, everyone's favorite player, Peter Forsberg. It's so like half the things that he did, and granted this was 10 years later, Grant, half the things that he did, he had two people hanging on him the entire time.
0: Right. They, you know, you talk about dead puck era. Well, no, the goalies got better in the same era that people were allowed to be, you know, literally you could wear, you know, I, I'm going to wear you as a backpack.
2: Cape. You're my yeah. cape.
0: And it just so happened to be that the goaltending equipment got crazy, and goaltenders started to become better trained, and goaltending coaches started to make appearances, and that whole side of the game evolved. At the point where clutching and grabbing and holding, because they talk about it like it was only invented in the you know in the late or mid 90s, I'm like, please, can you go watch some hockey from the 80s? You want to talk about clutching and grabbing and holding? Mm-hmm. So.
1: And, and in present day We do have to admit that the artificial Intelligence has gotten better And Sidney Crosby just scores his 27th of the season Live in game
0: update Oh god It's on TNT isn't it Son <laughs> It of a is You know at some point you'd think I'd learn
2: It's only April You still have three weeks or something
0: I yeah. I, I can't learn in Even three weeks. then <laughs> Even then, <laughs> I'm an old man, Cassie. I can't learn in three weeks. What are you kidding? <laughs> oh, and speaking of an earlier
1: topic, um, someone with very poor Photoshop skills um, let Medi veneers borrow their photo of him in what looks to be a um, wintry Seattle uh, skyline. <laughs> Saying "see you soon."
0: Um, oh dear God to heaven! Song? What the hell is that?
1: <laughs> Exa- yes. <laughs> you know, props for for being cute. It wasn't as funny as buffaloes. But what is this image? I will send this out from uh, the the three v three Twitter account.
2: Yeah, you can't. It... I'm not going to get into the kind of weather you would have to have for Elliot Bay to freeze over like that, for him to stand on that's, it and look at the thank skyline. You. <laughs> thank you.
0: I, I, I went with, I did go specific with Elliot Bay. I just went with the sound because most people would know what, you know, that's, you know, Puget Sound area type thing. But
1: I'm the only one that has the map open while you're listening.
0: <laughs> dear, dear listeners and friends of ours, let us introduce you to Pat's Free Show Ritual. On one screen, he will open the the map of the Puget Sound region. On another screen, he will have the Wikipedia page open to the counties of Washington State.
2: And and he'll have he'll have already hit Control F to pop up the find uh, function on the page. I'm not that'll do him any good because you know <laughs> spelling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, my dear God in heaven.
1: So it makes me wonder what terrible Bruckheimer production crew helped with this image.
2: He's a college hockey player. He probably had somebody do it for him.
1: Um, I really don't want to, but I'm about to open this up into some photo editing software and figure out what kind of... What kind of work do they have to get rid of some branding on the
0: skates? Okay, Pat, I can, let me do this for you right now. As a black belt in in Photoshop, um, that is quite possibly one of the easiest things in the world to do with the latest iterations of Photoshop. Uh, It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's literally just a couple of uh, uh, mouse clicks yeah, I
1: checked out with CS6. You well, know,
0: it's actually I like having there. the software on my machine. So do I. I like being able to own the oh. software, not just rent it. It's there, yeah. in, it's there in CS6 too, Pat. There's a, there's oh, a magic well, erase function.
1: I, unfortunately, I don't have a...
0: Or do I have
1: a working machine where I could use that piece of software? But,
0: you know, it was the decision to overlay a wintry filter, like a layer... It actually looks like it's probably two or three layers. And then do some sort of... Yes, welcome to 3v3 Photoshop. <laughs> um,
2: we do master class on the, uh, on the days that we can't figure out what to write or talk you know, about.
0: <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Um, it looks like they also tried to do some really janky HDR effect on top of it. And then i'm gonna say probably looking at his shoulders yeah they did a simple mask so simple layer mask Mm -hmm. yeah combine the two photos and probably looks like they did a a a feather along the waterfront to get the whatever picture he's standing there in sort of merge with the two and then decided just to overlay I'm going to say probably three layers. Looks like they're done at different um, blending options.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you know what? I'm going to say <laughs>
0: this more is about a debating podcast. This
1: is this
2: is the reason why I don't <laughs> bother doing Photoshop. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is just too much effort just uh, to make something look pretty. I,
0: uh... and the problem, I was going to say so
1: go ahead. Pat. Go ahead. I was going to say, for about a decade, there were about two or three ice textured patterns available out there that could do some good work. I was just trying to figure out how long that's just been sitting on some kid's computer because they're definitely using one of the two that I know of. And it just it's good to see we're still investing in, you know great resources from the past
2: so here's here's my comment about this picture so at least they got the angle right and there is an alaska way viaduct along the waterfront so it is a recent picture
0: well yeah because how hard is it to oh crap just go google search seattle skyline
2: from the
1: ferry
0: (laughs) um yeah
2: because that's a from a ferry shot i think
0: Or private boat. I mean, it's somewhere in Elliott Bay, so yes. Right.
2: Which is saltwater for those who don't know.
0: And for those who don't care, it's still saltwater. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, well, yeah, Jeff Merrick's going to hear from me, and he ought to know me better than that. Um, He knows, but he just doesn't care. You know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe he just wants to, you know, poke the
0: bear. Sometimes, you know, know, sometimes that little SOB does exactly that.
2: He likes to poke the bear? Uh Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Well, who doesn't sometimes
1: there's that. And then there's also, you know, sometimes their egos get a little big when you're in a little bit of a competition. They might have a chance of winning. Uh, one out for Elliot and, uh, and Carolyn Cameron for
0: (laughs) the end season Stanley cup
1: for being eliminated. And I just hope one of them, Carolyn, of course, uh, is the last team holding the cup. So that she gets a part of the prize.
0: Oh, that would be nice. That has been mildly entertaining, by the way. Especially the last few weeks as the chirping is going on.
1: It's been fantastic. I hope next year's students enjoy it doing this just as much as this year's. So for those that don't know... um, I guess it was in early October 32 thoughts. Did, did Burke ever get to christen at 32 turns? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, Elliot's had this concept of in season cup winner, basically Stanley cup champion plays first game of the season cups on the line. Winner of their opening game. They are the keepers of the cup and you go throughout the schedule and the cup resides with one team, etc. cetera, et cetera. There is a, I want to say third or fourth grade class somewhere in Ontario. That's been, you know, keeping track, doing all the math because talking about a couple journalists here. And as you know,
0: they don't like math. The journalist is strong. I know I'm... it's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. <laughs> That that is a load-bearing term you've just in that house. <laughs> um, professional
1: texter and
2: <laughs> entertainer, <laughs> uh, <plate laughs> and
1: spinners. two rodeo wranglers and and David Amber and Carolyn Cameron, especially Carolyn. <laughs> two
0: two plate spinners and and David Cameron or David Cameron David Amber and Carolyn Cameron, two plate spinners and two people who have to work for a living.
1: <laughs> so anyway, this this class has been keeping track and they started up a Twitter account with their teacher. Their teacher is the one running the account. Because children need to have hope. Anyway.
0: <laughs> no one needs never, never subject your children to Twitter. <laughs>
1: Oh, they're all
2: over on TikTok anyway, so it doesn't matter.
1: Until something new comes
0: along. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah,
1: um, Jeff Jeff's poking the bear.
0: A little bit. Um, okay, so I just wanted to make sure. Yes, they did officially re- announce that he had agreed to terms on his ELC. Yes.
1: And then he'll just get into town and then oh, officially yeah. sign it.
2: be disappointed Um, that it's why it's like it's been in the 60s there (laughs) no no
1: (laughs) it it is still better than ann arbor um midwest
2: you know because there's the bay isn't frozen and he's just gonna have to live with the warmer weather that's all pictures Um, being what they are
0: so he's expected to practice this coming monday which by the time you hear this is yesterday so yesterday maddie will have made is practice first practice with the I can't do time talk
2: <laughs> just say I tomorrow can't. and make everybody like conform to us
0: <laughs> live in the past damn it like we are um, not in your future yeah it still hurts yeah. but hey we are a
1: hockey podcast living in the past is comes with the territory well that's because no,
2: we that's have. why I have a hard time with this God thank you for explaining that I know that. <laughs>
0: Oh dear God! Okay, so, um, they just flashed something. Sorry, we're kind of all over the map talking about lifetime stuff. Um, they just flashed a graphic on the screen for the game, talking about defensemen with the most hundred point seasons in their career, and of course Bobby Orr is sitting up there, and I am. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the discussion that I, um helicoptered in on, actually no, I viewed it as a Hubble. Um, I just witnessed it happening and stayed the hell out of it, was one that I have uh, started a number of times in my career about how overrated Bobby Orr is. Um, because you want to talk about Era. So when did he play again? Oh, that's right. When over half the league was crap. <laughs> So him skating end-to-end on the St. Louis Blues is sort of like, okay. Who was on the Blues again? Remind me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, remind me. A bunch of guys that were 50th on the depth chart (laughs) on the worst team in the NHL the previous season. Okie dokie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think he gets a little more credit than he deserves, and I'm not saying that Gretzky doesn't get a little more credit than he deserves, but I know I'm causing a lot of people to cringe and throw things and unsubscribe and curse my name, but, you know, he did a lot of his damage against the other six. The St. Louis
1: Blues, just say it, the St. Louis Blues, they were the, you know, yeah. they were the tire you kicked back in the 60s. Which, well, all,
0: all of the new six were tires you kicked back in the 60s, Pat.
1: Yeah, and then Fred Shiro had to go get clever and still cause us some pain, right. despite being a brilliant strategist.
0: The the ghost. I keep wanting to call call him the fog, but I still that's still Mel Torme, the Velvet Fog. I can never call anyone else the fog.
1: Yeah, I still prefer Captain Videotape, though. If we're talking about coaching nicknames,
2: it's Carl. Carl the fog. <laughs> The fox's name is Carl, in San Francisco at least.
0: God, that's right. And the shark's name is Bruce. Right. Because fish are
2: there? friends, right?
0: Right. Not, Not food. food. <laughs> and, and you all know where that name for him came from?
2: Well, it's been since, like, forever. Where? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> the the um, animatronic shark that they used at Jaws.
2: Was, oh right Yes no, Was no,
0: called no, Bruce no. After the lawyer After one of the lawyers
1: mm-hmm.
0: And because it never worked <laughs> <laughs> So they affectionately Nicknamed the shark Bruce And it's lived on in lore So yes Being you know Cinema nerds that they are The guys in Pixar Loved that they got to call The great white shark Bruce In Finding Nemo <laughs>
1: Sometimes it's just the little things
0: You, it, gotta, you know it really, really is It I
2: usually is the little things actually
0: I, I love the inside Baseball details Stuff like that because It's yeah. fun It really is, it's stupid fun No I
2: just I I get into like You know periods where I go through And just go into IMDB and all of the trivia For movies That's fun
0: I'm gonna raise my hand and say yes. I am the guy that watches the uh, special.
2: How this was made?
0: The yeah, the the special discs, the special discs, the special editions with the director commentary and the behind, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I generally dive into those before I dive into the movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I see nothing uh, wrong with this.
0: I'm. Yeah, well, my therapist disagrees with you.
2: Um, <clears throat> hey, I'm the kind of person who actually enjoys spoilers, all right, because that way I can start keep myself on track to I pay attention to what I should be paying attention to instead of getting distracted by sets and costumes and people's facial expressions. That, why are they doing that, you know? <laughs> so I, I like spoilers. So I'm good with that. Spoilers.
0: Uh where the house was I gonna go? Um nineteen years I feel <laughs> I feel like the principal in Ferris Bueller's day off, you know. Nine, nine times 19, nine. nineteen years. Nineteen years. And you could you could argue Quite easily, that for the last 15, he's really blown that franchise apart and put them where they are today. He's just been, you know, that that Thornton trade. Everyone's like, well, he made the Thornton trade. Okay, congratulations. You know, the sun shines shines on the dog's ass at least once in his life. (laughs) I was like... Boston basically said, what do you got? And he's like, I'll give you these three things. And and Boston's like, yeah, okay, sure. It's, I I don't see him. Don't see him really having to work hard to win that trade. (laughs) You know?
1: All right, I'll pose the question. Wilson or Poyle? In
0: what aspect? Exactly. If
1: you're <laughs> you asking. Can, you can take that in any direction.
0: So which which one of the two of them is worse? I'm going Wilson. And And it's for one trade and one trade only. And you all know what it is. Tim Stutzla is an Ottawa Senator because of this trade. Doug Wilson went out and got a Brent Burns architect player expecting his Brent Burns coefficient to exponentially grow when it actually does the opposite. Having more Brent Burns on your team does not grow the Brent Burns coefficient.
1: Hmm. Who knew, right?
0: Right. So, <laughs> and,
1: and talk about an equation that'll be talked about ad nauseum as the two thousand three draft class debates have spun up because uh, Captain Duck Charlie Conaway, reti- oh, I'm sorry, the other Anaheim Ducks <laughs> captain retired.
0: Hey, good on him. I Getzlaff drove me nuts,
1: gets which laugh, is a good them, thing.
0: Which is a great thing, you know. Guy had a hell of a career. Um, I'll. um, No, not hockey hall of fame material for me. But anyway.
1: But it just made me think about. Yeah. Brent birds was great for what? Two and a half, three seasons. But was he ever peak of his power? The best? No. You know, Carlson, you could argue was, but we all knew
0: he was mostly cooked. Oh, uh, I've brought it up before. I've had, I've had discussions with, um, physicians, you know, people that, that do sports surgeries and mm-hmm. they're like, he's never going to be the same after that, after what they did to repair that injury, you know? And that oh. was, it is kind of one of those, that's all they could do to repair that injury type thing. But, you know, his mechanics and skating his his skeletal, his skeletal muscular, um, structure is going to be completely different. Going forward, you know, and as as you saw afterwards, he's he didn't relearn to skate, which is why he kept his groin kept giving out on him. And you know what they should have done?
2: Taught him how to skate.
0: No, (laughs) made him a
1: forward (laughs) at this point because it would have preserved what little muscle is in, in that area. And also he he would take a little pressure off the heels and just he should have become a winger,
0: honestly. He wouldn't have had to continue to try and pivot turn to start mm-hmm. skating backwards. Now the problem with that pat is they already have a defensive in the place forward, except doesn't do either in Brent Burns. So now you've got two you guys. See-
1: the thing is,
2: is that you could make it work, but you have to balance it out and you have to like, like shelter those players as best you can. But you, you have to have, um, you have to have a player that is solid defensively that can cover for them when they make fumbles and mistakes. Cause they're no longer the players that they used to be. <laughs>
0: Oh, you mean um, a Mark Edward Vlasic from about 10, 15 years ago?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, there's like half, it's actually probably closer to about third of the defenders in the league, but no one knows how to deal with defense or what good defense looks like, so no one knows what they this should is, do.
0: This is true. Um, <clears throat> so uh, if I may continue sort of... A, a little bit about <laughs> Doug Wilson's career As a general manager um, I, I discovered A feature on CapFriendly that made My freaking day They have trade histories For general managers Ooh. You can see the entire history of trades Made by that general manager And of course since he's Had a 19 year career with one team Guess what you get to see all 19 years of this. And there are some there were some deals that I completely spaced on that that are just complete head shakers. Let me give you one right here. In 2013, the San Jose Sharks traded their own first round pick and their and Pittsburgh's second round pick to Detroit to move up Two spaces to pick Mirko Mueller, who they completely tanked. Quiz time. Pat, you may already know the answer to this one. Detroit used those two picks for whom? Does anyone know? Pat's
2: cheating and looking it up.
0: <laughs> Is that the No, of year?
1: <laughs> no, I was Duh. looking at something Duh. separate, but Duh. what was the year again? 2013. The 13. Oh, uh, I don't remember. I am, even I am stumped, but yeah, I know. that's, no, that's okay.
0: That's okay. Um, Detroit Red Wings selected Anthony Mantha and Tyler Batuzzi with those two picks. Can't okay. tell me Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi would have helped the Sharks more than Merkel Mueller, whom they traded away a few years later.
1: They I mean, traded, if you want to split hairs. No, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, and that's not even the most egregious of the of the misses. That pick they got, which which turned into.
2: We're doing Tyler, trees
0: now. A, a little bit, because this is <laughs> this is Doug Wilson, right? This is Doug Wilson. That pick that they got from Pittsburgh, which turned into Tyler Batuzzi was part of the Douglas Murray deal, where he did fleece Pittsburgh. <gasps> yes. Into giving him two second-round picks for Doug Murray, Douglas Murray, who you know would have been an absolute monster player in the 80s. <laughs> In the 80s
1: He's a What would you say A calm Wreck of But without The ability to skate
0: Yes Yep That's that's pretty much dead on <laughs> And Cassie What if I told you That in an alternate universe David Krejci and Mark Stone Were San Jose Sharks
2: I would say at the time That probably wouldn't have raised Any eyebrows <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, because
1: Mark Stone would not be Mark Stone. Right. Correct. Correct. How about David
0: Perron?
2: That's a bigger one. Although I remember that. Yeah. I remember so,
0: that one. You know, these are the kind of deals. Now, not that not that they would have picked that player at that you know with that draft pick, but Alexander Edler. You know. Uh, You're just mind boggling Now I will say That I believe His greatest deal to date Is not the Joe Thornton deal
1: Ooh.
0: It's not June 30th 2003 The Sharks acquired Mark Messier <laughs> I remember
2: that too Okay yeah
0: and in return, they traded away their fourth round pick for the 2004 draft, which to the New York Rangers, which turned into Ryan Callahan. But you got Mark Messier for Ryan Callahan, two arguably fantastic leaders in hockey. And it's just a shame that the Messier career, or the the, the Messier tenure in San Jose, didn't last. <laughs> last?
2: Did it even start? <laughs>
0: No, I just loved that whole stupid loophole era. Of, you know, small market teams getting compensated for unrestricted free agents.
1: The day before they go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you could give up a fourth round pick for Marc Messier or a fifth round pick for I think Ed Belfour was another one that got traded or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. I just you know. Oh, hey! You know what else in the alternate universe, Cassie?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Max Pacioretty. So literally, the Sharks could have been the Vegas Golden Knights. Pacioretty, Perron, and Stone could have all been San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm.
2: Could have.
0: Yeah. Oof. Yeah, oh it, it's, it's it's bad. A, it, it's a history of buying in talent by mortgaging your future, and he just kept kicking the can down the road and down the road and down the road and hanging on to that aging core, and that aging core finally aged out, and this is what you've got, you know? There's a, there's a couple of good players they've got in recent drafts, and I'll tell you why. It's because they actually hired in a whole new scouting staff, So they aren't missing on draft picks as frequently.
1: Oh, sort of like they did in 2005 where they traded up.
0: Oh, God, I love this one, too. Yeah.
1: They traded the number 12 overall pick, a second rounder, and a seventh rounder for the number eight pick.
0: Yep. Just to get Devin Setaguchi.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Now... I don't like playing the game where oh this player was picked at this spot because Mark Stahl went 12th and prior to the eye injury yeah he was uh pretty solid
0: well that's you know my my goodness. goodness and you you start I mean even more recently you're looking you know um who's a player that's getting a lot of love in in LA right now playing on defense for them one of the young kids Sean Dersey. Well, yeah. guess who guess who that pick came from? You know? Wait, <laughs> that... wait. Where did
1: How did Toronto acquire that pick? Was that part of James Reimer deal?
0: No, That's... that would have been No. Oh. Oh, who would it have been? Who would it have been? You're close.
1: It... There's a trade that I'm missing, and I just can't do it without cheating. So lay it on me.
0: Uh, um. In return for Rafi Torres, the 2017 second-round pick, 50th overall, and the 2018th pick sec- second second-round pick to second overall – the San Jose Sharks received Roman Polak and Nick <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and Max Comtois was yep. the third draft pick.
0: Yep. The Leafs, the Leafs picked Max Comtois and Sean Dersey and traded them both away. So the Leafs are just as stupid, but that's a, that's a separate story. <laughs> you sent off two green bananas for Roman Pollock and Nick Bowling. Now, granted 2016 was the cup run, right? Right. So, okay. Uh that one I, I I give a little tick mark and say I understand what you're doing. You're bringing in depth. You're you you think you got something going deep.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. But uh, the the laundry list of of players that could have been helping the sharks today is just you know i i go back to pacioretty stone Peron, creche and that doesn't even count the ones they literally just missed on in the draft right they picked someone else when matt barzal was sitting right there you know
1: And yeah. eventually they seem to they get something. So when they finally dump Marco, or Mirko
0: Murko. Mirko, yeah, they, they got Mario Ferraro. They got
1: Ferraro, and Crowley was
0: fine for a fourth rounder. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm saying. I think I think it was 15, 14, 2014 or 2015, somewhere in there, um, their scouting staff got rolled over. So, you know, and, and his son was leading this, has been leading the scouting department for the last few years. And I think that's why you're seeing the better deals or the better trade, better trade, better drafting coming. Hmm. But drafting can't help you, you know, when you get Eric Carlson and Francis Peron for Dylan DeMello, Chris Turney, Rudolph Balsers, Joshua Norris, a first round, a second round and a second round.
1: So you're saying making sure uh, Wilson Jr. doesn't turn into the next, I don't know, Jim Benning? Right. Uh, Maybe they should just leave the scouting staff as is and bring in somebody new?
0: Uh, Hopefully.
2: They're, they're going to need more than just a scouting
0: staff. <laughs> oh, no. They need...
2: <laughs> they, they have no development. That's why they... I mean, so... it's, it's a vicious circle, right? It's like you can't develop players if you don't have them. But if you don't have them, you don't need to have a development staff.
0: Thank you, Cassie, for touching on the other important aspect that I think is probably finally going to happen. Roy Sommer is likely out as the head coach of the San Jose Barracuda. Roy Salmer, who has the most wins in the, in the history of the AHL as a head coach. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also has the record for the most losses. <laughs> and you That's know what else? a real cujo. Joe. Uh, <laughs> and you, know what else? you know what else he has? Zero Calder Cups. He has been there almost as long as Wilson, I think. And maybe longer. And hasn't even been able to manage to fall ass backwards accidentally into an AHL championship. He's never been knocking on the door of an NHL job. Or even an assistant job. Now, I want people that have higher ceilings. I want to risk losing my AHL head coach in five or six years because he's doing such a bang-up job developing these kids and teaching them that somebody at the NHL level wants to give him a head coach job. Might be me, might be someone else. I don't want a guy that nobody looks at because he's not doing anything. Now, granted, you know, to your point, Cassie, has he been given much to do much with? Eh. But, eh, you know, sometimes you got to make something with what you got, and I don't see any of that. Most of the players that they have had the best success with have never had long stints in the AHL. Marlowe, Vlasic, Couture, um... Pavelski, you know, those guys hardly saw the AHL at all. Those that have. Hmm. So is this my damning of Doug Wilson today? Yes. And I will continue to go back because as we all know people take things out of context. I unbelievably am hoping that he is healthy and happy for the rest of his life. I just what he's done to this franchise in fifteen years is just mind boggling. Just mind boggling.
1: Okay. I I just have to ask a question. It appears that Roy Sumner was with the San Jose Sharks organization since
0: 96, 97. Yes. Yes, that is correct. That's, I forget. Yes, he was coaching. He was coaching in Cleveland in some capacity, I think.
1: Can you tell me uh, he, he was head coach of the Cleveland Barons? Yeah. Okay. Who turned into the Worcester Sharks, who turned into the turned Barracuda. Into the but Barcuda. before that, they were. he was the head coach of the Kentucky Thoroughblades.
0: Oh, which was their first minor affiliate in that mm-hmm. inaugural season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Could you tell me where he happened to be coaching before he really started working with the Sharks organization? As a he he came to the Sharks as an assistant NHL coach, but can you tell me what he was doing before that?
0: Actually, no, I can't.
1: Mm-mm. I mean. On DB. it says he was the head coach of the ECHL Richmond Renegades, which I think they were affiliated with another team. But by golly, was he head coach of the RHI San Jose Rhinos for two seasons.
0: There you go. Oh my God in heaven. I did not know that. And if I did, okay. I obviously spaced it. That is epic.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, a pretty decent record for what it was.
0: Which was fun. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's all that matters. Oh, my God. You I tell that wow. to the NHL. <laughs> he, he also won an ECHL championship during the same time. But no, he was head coach of the Rhinos.
2: Oh, my God. So maybe he has had offers and he just doesn't want to leave San Jose. <laughs>
1: Doesn't want to move his stuff now that it's uh it's back in it's, San Jose. It's been there for thirty,
0: thirty-five years.
1: Mm-hmm. He was sick of that East Coast life.
0: Yeah, you know Kentucky'd make anyone sick of Kentucky.
1: Um, you know Richmond was probably fine, Cleveland, but then Worcester, Mass.
2: Twenty minutes up the road for me.
0: <laughs> Worcester. Worcester. Are you in the Worcester?
2: I'm between Worcester and Providence.
0: Yeah, Billy Niaminen, Jay Baraball, David Peron. what what turned into David Perron, all for Bill Guerin.
2: Billy Guerin.
0: Josh Georges and Max Paccioretti for Craig <laughs> revay You know? That's why I keep saying, you know, you look at this history and what does he do constantly? He buy, he would buy in talent to fill the gaps that he couldn't draft. And boy, did he love his offensive defenseman, you know? Steve Bernier and the draft pick that turned into Tyler Ennis for Brian Campbell.
1: Brian hey, Campbell. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like on the one hand, but he's a cautionary tale.
0: Yeah, he is Kyle Palmieri,
1: perfectly fine NHL player.
0: Yeah, for Dan Boyle and Brad Lukowich. was part of the you know the draft pick was part of that deal.
1: Brad
2: Lukowich.
0: Yeah, and and you know this, the pick I'm looking at right now, the Mark Stone. And yes, we all agree Mark Stone was not Mark Stone until Mark Stone became Mark Stone. <laughs> They dropped in the draft. They swapped a sixth-round pick for a seventh-round pick. And Dallas acquired Mark Stone with that sixth-round pick. Dallas saw something. Yeah.
1: Dallas.
2: Yep. Dallas, who isn't... Well, I mean, in recent years, they're, they've been better, but overall, they haven't been significantly better than San Jose. Nope.
0: But, you know, I think with Dallas and, and other teams of that elk, is you see them do something that, something, you know. It's it's not rowing in a circle, you know. I'd rather see them splashing and and trying to figure out how to swim, than just sit there and tread water and go. Well, I'll eventually get to shore. Because <laughs> it kind of what it kind of feels like what the sharks are doing, right? I just need to maintain where I'm at now. I'm treading water. Eventually, the tide will take me to shore. Mm-hmm. Other teams, you know. Crap! I got to figure out how to swim, you know. And some figure it out, and some drown. And you know, you throw in another guy. They're like minions. Bob so Stewart. Yeah, Shane Gostaspear.
1: Damn, the minion joke just went over
0: <laughs> like Gangbusters. No, I got it. I just I'm I'm in that mood. Colin Blackwell and Sean Carolly. You know. Are these players that are better than what the Sharks have in their roster today? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That says everything. Are they star players? No. But that says everything I need to know about this trade history. Okay. I'm i got to ask. I, what, just, I, I, no, I, I no, have no, to stop no, looking no. at this.
1: Okay. You need to stop looking at this. But
0: Now it's time to look at
1: that. <laughs> <Dick boy. laughs> no, no. Uh, close the uh, window. Do it now. No, because that bring, that takes us down in an entirely different uh, conversation. I'm typing. Uh, Don't do it. Typing. do typing. So, Cassie, as been the trend. Uh, the first name that is out there for a potential opening usually ends up getting hired. Uh-huh. John Ferguson Jr. Okay. <clears throat>
2: I'm I'm sorry, what?
1: <laughs>
0: Hang on. I mean, I had to make this conversation about Toronto somehow. And... John Ferguson Jr. um acquired Vesca Tosca and Mark Bell from the San Jose Sharks <laughs> for for I love this. For picks that turned into Craig Smith, Lars Eller and Aaron Polyash. Hmm. Oh, oh, dear God. And oh, oh, holy <laughs> crap. John Ferguson Jr. acquired Yannick Perot for Brendan Bell and the 2008 second round draft pick. Toronto's second round draft pick for that year. Roman Yossi, which turned into Roman Yossi. John Ferguson Jr. This is my other favorite one. This is the one that just breaks everyone's... Breaks Toronto Maple Leafs fans hearts to this day. One for one to <laughs> ask for Andrew Raycroft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> that's epic. So where did JF jr. Come in?
1: Oh, on head, whatever they're calling their segment on Saturday night. Um, I don't remember if it was Jeff or Elliot who dropped that little nugget, but that- There may have been some talks uh, because Ferguson is currently some sort of assistant or special assistant to the general manager in Arizona. And seeing as though there may not have enough office space for them
2: (laughs) (laughs) to downsize a little bit.
1: Ow! (laughs) yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was the name that was brought up last night. Can't when I know. had a... for anything Why? in
2: particular, or were they just talking about him to talk about him?
1: No, they they specifically mentioned him in conjunction with the Sharks opening, and that they don't feel like they're gonna hire from within. They're going to find someone from outside the market because, well, they haven't had a whole lot of people come from the outside lately.
2: So, so do they know about this cat friendly page that Patrick's been opening? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm well, gonna, should
2: someone like you know email them that link
1: this, <laughs> just, this just isn't like <laughs> this isn't talking to Peter Schiarelli at least or oh I don't know see if um, Chuck Fletcher might be interested in moving coasts at least there's some distance and maybe some learning
2: hockey men learn I'm sorry what was that again they seem to be they seem to be in the same stuck feedback loop where they just don't learn anything. They just recycle people because everybody else has like hired them.
0: Oh, I know. you, you know, Pat? I'm I'm looking at one David Boyle's trade history here. Stop yeah. it.
1: No, it's no. not bad.
0: <laughs> no, Cassie it's not bad. really isn't. You can look at a couple of deals and say, okay, you know, maybe he got he got, you know, taken a little bit. But um, I think outside of the Philip Forsberg for Martin Erat they've all been kind of good deals. None now, of them are home runs, you know. Like, no. I don't, it doesn't look like he's taking anyone to the cleaners, but
1: he's relied a little too much on the reclamation project. Yeah, for better or for worse. He definitely knows when to cut bait on a player. I mean, just just use James Neal as as an example. You know, he brought him in kind of at the right time. Let him go right at the right time. And he's made his two cup runs.
0: yeah yeah you're I gonna
1: make your owner happy with some money. You're not necessarily really going to rebuild.
0: oh, God, I forgot Peccarini was an eighth round draft pick. Mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's, it, you know he's he kind of looks like the guy who's trying to figure out how to swim. You know, maybe he's being more patient about it, but
2: Someone who's actually proactive.
0: A little bit, you know. I, you in can hockey, kind of, <laughs> you can kind of see a pattern going sort of along, you know, Pat, with your with your Stanley Cup runs. You know, there's there's a lot of you know little t- ticky tack deals here and there, and you know, then maybe a swing or two. Um, you know, trying to trying to bring in something or trying to solidify a position or, or solidify some depth. But nothing. I mean, uh, I'm having. To, I'm. i will be honest with you. I'm having a tough time seeing where he really got. He really, really got taken to the cleaners outside of that Forsberg for E rat deal.
1: I but mean, wait, he the, he he was the one that did the cleaning.
0: I mean, he even got, I mean, for Christ's sake, the the man got rid of PK Subban's contract. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, he got nothing for it, but that was kind of the point.
0: He got $7.5 million of cap space for it, Pat. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I think
1: well, and a couple, of contra- and a couple of contracts just to balance the books. But yeah, a, cou- a couple yeah. draft picks, uh, you
0: know. And then
1: this. $7.5 million in cap space. Yeah. Yes. And that contract is just coming off the books
0: this offseason. I know. Yeah, I'm... Wow. Yeah, I mean, he does have this history of, you know, basically knowing when to cut bait and run on certain guys. Yeah.
1: But to that same point, would you say Wilson, by pure luck, had the nicer stretch for his team where... eh, they had their chances, but
0: Wilson had a way better peak starting run. Dean Lombardi set that Mm. franchise up. Really set that franchise up. Um, And Doug Wilson came in and essentially made one deal that set that franchise up for the next 15 years, and that was Joe Thornton. You know, yeah, and I think you know this sort of goes back to that whole um, gap between talent, right? Um, A lot of the guys that were that were playing in those early days for San Jose when they were really the hottest ticket in town, when Wilson got there, were all Lombardi picks. Um, And then you know they did. I'll give him credit for the Logan Couture deal. You know, they traded around draft picks and got up and were able to get Logan because that helped, you know, and everyone always likes to say Pavelski was a seventh round pick. Yes, he was. And they fell, you know, like I said, the sun shines on a dog's ass at least once in its life. You know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Um, But those players, they have they milked everything out of them that they could. I think there has been far more turnover in Nashville. And they've, you know, they've they've had a more consistent run. Um, their valleys haven't been as as valious in San Jose. You know, the, the after the reverse sweep in San Jose was just, you know, wow, that was fun. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you know, but missing, you know, the, the their misses, the missing the playoffs have been, you know, both teams have been kind of like, OK. Um, but I, I think, you know, Nashville's been able to do it with a higher turnover of players in their system remain as consistent as they've been. Where San Jose has done it with a far fewer turnover of players in their system, which means you are riding an aging curve that is going to bite you in the tuchus soon, and as we've seen, soon was two and a half years ago or three years ago. You know, and you try and you know, like I said, he buys in talent, right? He bought it. He he bought in Brent Burns, he bought in Eric Carlson. You know, he tried to buy in Evander Kane, he tried to buy in Jonathan Tavares. They just have they've. Outside of the most punchable face in the world, they've really not hit on any of their draft picks in, you know, from like five years ago. So,
2: Did they have any of those draft picks from five years ago?
0: Um, so some. some, yeah. But a lot of them were thrown around in deals to buy in guys to help now. You know, he was... It was, do you know, what everyone accused Tortorella of being as a coach, which is do just enough to make the playoffs, you know, is is exactly what Doug Wilson's been doing for like the last 15 years. Do enough to make the playoffs and hope that you catch a heater. So, you know, they, they had to buy in every single goaltender after getting to Bakov because, you know, they couldn't figure out how to get one. Would you want Roy Somner developing your goaltender? No. Yeah. I, I hope he's happy in his retirement. I am never been happier to see the backside of a general manager who was ensconced on a franchise like a tick on a bloodhound in the <laughs> Georgia forest. All right, good show.
2: (laughs) I couldn't tell after ranting about that for almost an hour. (laughs) It's all good. It's okay. God,
0: the the draft models I have for that franchise are just brutal. Just brutal. Ah. John Ferguson, Jr., dear God.
1: All right. I have a... uh... I'm not going to call it a question to leave things on, but just a thought to ponder. Dean Lombardi and consultant Doug Wilson running the Vegas Golden Knights next season.
0: You almost made me do a spit take. (laughs) This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.